been saying since the first day I ever sat in front of a microphone, welcome to hell, angels. Some of you may know me and some of you may not, but my name is Allie Weiss and this is Tales of Taboo, a shameless, riotous celebration of all people, ideas, and experiences that make society clutch their pearls and a takedown of those that discourage us from being our biggest, brightest, messiest, and most perfectly imperfect selves. In other words, it's a celebration of humanity, just minus all the bullshit. But most importantly, it's a show by and for you, my listeners, old and new. Um, You can consider it like a non-denominational confessions booth, where each week you'll be hearing anonymously submitted stories from people all over the world. Of course, I'll be contributing too, but as opposed to just making you laugh or like getting you through a long commute, I am now deliberately airing out my so-called dirty laundry with the specific intention that it will encourage you to air out yours. No names or strings attached in a safe space, to a group of listeners who will take you exactly the way you are. I have a feeling, and I'm hoping with all the time and money that I'm dumping into this, that this new show is going to bring a much larger and more diverse audience. So I want to take the time to properly introduce myself. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Okay, no. Um, I'm a 28-year-old native New Yorker, and by trade, meaning an education that my parents paid for, (laughs) I'm an actor. Uh, Childhood trauma, duh, made me good at making people laugh, but I'm not going to call myself a comedian, which I used to every once in a while because, like, just no. Um, Over the past five years, I've worked mainly as an on-air host and a freelance writer and a maker of Instagram content. So if you Google me, which you should because it's funny, you will see a bizarre assortment of all of my weird past work for a variety of people. I would specifically recommend the A&E gig talking about sex with my grandmother and the Playboy article I wrote about putting weed suppositories in my ass. Uh, my friend Jonah, who was a guest, sorry, I make myself laugh sometimes. It's also part of my shtick. But my friend Jonah um, was a guest on one of my first episodes of season two. And he once said that my goal is to find a goal. And for the most part, he's not wrong. But he is also wrong now. Because finally, after years of experimenting with careers, which I've now replaced with experimenting with drugs... Sitting in the studio today, I have literally never felt so goddamn sure about anything in my life, and I see what I'm doing here with 2020 vision. The first thing I should probably say is that despite being from New York, this is not a podcast about New York. Unlike most people, I really don't care about succeeding in New York social hierarchy, and it actually got on my nerves that the majority of my guests on Health is Hell were from New York or L.A., Um, I'm much more interested in appealing to the whole country, especially the parts of it that most New Yorkers deem a wasteland, because the goal of all my storytelling, whether it's through this podcast or in my Instagram videos or what I'm going to bring to the stage and hopefully the screen, is to try and find our similarities as all humans, not our differences. You know, New Yorkers and New York culture, it's just 
polarizing as is, but they're also a massive part of the reason why this country is so polarized as a whole. The, the phrase liberal elite, I mean, we're walking embodiments of that. But that being said, I can't deny that downtown New York takes up a way larger chunk of my DNA than my family's Russian-Ukrainian background, or even their genetic depression, which is pretty considerable. And my New York background is a big reason why I'm obsessed with all things off kilter. So let's do a quick review, right? I grew up in Greenwich Village, historically considered the cultural epicenter of individuality. Seriously? Google Greenwich Village and you'll see it's the first thing that comes up. Uh, some of the sightseeing we currently offer here is crack smoking in the West 4th Street subway station, uh, topless aerial yoga in Washington Square Park, um, free the nipple, hashtag people openly masturbating into boxes and multiple, I shit you not, multiple local Hare Krishna bands who occasionally wear Billionaire Boys Club, <laughs> Billionaire Boys Club t-shirts. I'm sorry. I can't even get that out. I have a picture somewhere. I'll put it in my story. Um, you know, we have whole stores that are dedicated to like custom rubber stamps. We have stores for 1950s clothing, of course, for S&M, bondage. We have buildings full of people who haven't left their apartment in 10 years. And we have the NYU campus, which means that all of this incredible, unique fuckery is surrounded by some of the richest and most pretentious kids in the country, which actually provides a really fascinating contrast. Then if you walk slightly east from where I am to Tompkins Square Park, you'll find plenty of crust punks people who hate the establishment and capitalism so much that they willingly adopt a homeless-esque lifestyle. And on polls, you'll see flyers advertising missing house cats alongside missing ghosts. <laughs> you see those in equal capacity. In high school, I learned to drive a car on Avenue D, which is like as far east as you can go from Tompkins Square Park. And I also guarantee it's as far... I don't know, another direction from the manicured lawns and uh, perfectly paved roads of your suburban youth. And my best friend in the world lives in the same building where the legendary rock star Gigi Allen overdosed on heroin after throwing poop all over his audience at his last show. <laughs> so these are my surroundings my ambiance, my inspiration. And uh, I've also been a theater kid and obsessed with nightlife since I was 15. Back then, I spent all of my weekend nights, what was I doing? I was either surrounded by like Calvin Klein models at Marquee when Marquee was still cool, or I was going to these insanely rowdy gay clubs that had literal gaping holes in the floor and dudes boning each other in the back. And now... Well, now I still like to hang out in places where dudes are boning each other in the back. Who am I kidding? <laughs> um, another fun fact is that every year for Halloween, I dress up as a tragic blonde. The year I did John Benet Ramsey, I even put bruises and a noose around my neck. And, uh, you know, add to all of that, that as a human, I'm 5'10". I have eyebrows that make me look like Eugene Levy's daughter. And a really obnoxious laugh that would even embarrass Fran Drescher. And, you know, all of that together, you can kind of see why I've never really fit the mold, especially not for like an affluent, culturally Jewish girl from a somewhat dysfunctional, but ultimately very nice family where my parents are still together. <laughs> my, uh, my flair for the dramatic is painfully obvious. 
I'm like obsessed with theatrics, with pushing the envelope, with pushing people's buttons. But I do this because I think society is like so stiff and anal and really can't grasp the very, very simple idea that there cannot be comedy without tragedy. Everything being so awful is precisely why everything is so beautiful and hilarious. And I am willing to crucify myself in order to drive that point home. So now onto the important shit, which is not why me, but why you should listen to this show. So as you may have guessed from the title, right, of the show and that spark notes of my life, I'm not just obsessed with myself, but also all things outside of the box. I had another podcast, which is probably the reason why most of you are listening to this one today. And it still lives on this same stream. And it was called Health is Hell. And it was a collection of comedic conversations with guests and sometimes with myself, as I'm doing right now, about the woes of mental and physical health within the boundaries of like Western societal expectations. And at the time when I started the show, which I think was like, what, 2017, you know, talking about manic depression and anxiety and alcohol abuse and all of our filthy little sexual cravings and like general imperfections was considered not only wacky, but like problematic. Um, I was labeled crazy a lot, like downright crazy and always too quote unquote edgy. And one brand that I was trying to work with even called me an unsafe choice. Which is absolutely fucking hilarious when you look back on it now. But I can't lie, you know, it hurt me when I was young and and trying to establish myself and trying to make a living. Because unlike a lot of ugh, digital content creators, I've never wanted to work alone for myself. I, I really wanted to be hired by a network so that I could be a part of a team. But that didn't seem like it was going to happen if I didn't get 25,000 downloads each episode, which was not happening. And a lot of that was because I was interviewing like sword swallowers and burlesque dancers and Mormon escapees. And for the record, those are my proudest moments looking back. It's the people who don't make the rounds on other people's podcasts that are my proudest moments, but they weren't clickbait like influencers and wellness coaches and like popular comedians were. And so I felt myself trying to conform to what I thought the expectations of various people were. My agent at the time, various managers at the time, what I thought listeners in my demographic wanted to hear. And I, I sold out a little bit which I know might be funny to some of you who are familiar with all the work that I did on Health is Hell because it's it's certainly certainly not vanilla. But the show that I envisioned at that point was much more colorful than what it actually turned out to be. Not because my guests weren't absolutely fascinating and I don't love almost every single one of them, but it, it it didn't it was all so manicured it was all so manicured 
because I was so concerned about everything from like the sound quality to the shareability to how many followers my guest had that they could potentially share the show with. Like I, I lost sight of why I started it in the first place. And, you know, that went on for a while, but then the, the Trump era happened and the polarization in our country became crystal clear and the pandemic happened, the BLM movement. And, you know, all of a sudden, like the narrative becomes focused on flaws, not flawlessness. Literally everyone ident identifies as existentially miserable now. Like depression is hip and trendy. I, I try to stay away from TikTok because it terrifies me. But like I, every time I do take a scroll, it, it really, it's mind boggling how open about their flaws and their imperfections and their emotional deficiencies and the amount of therapy that they've had or not having enough therapy or the bad people that they fucked or the people that they wish that they're fucking, but they're not fucking because they can't fuck them because they're not wanted. I mean, it's like all the dirty laundry is out on the table, especially amongst Gen Z. The culture really shifted from like that kind of waspy everything under the rug to oversharing. And in the face of the pandemic, like anxiety became as routine as like a morning cup of coffee. In fact, over the past year and a half, if you didn't identify as depressed and anxious, you looked like a bad person. <laughs> like you literally got shamed if things in your life seemed too good because the world as a whole was so fucking bad. And then Me Too happened and Call Her Daddy happened and, you know, this movement of sexual and gender fluidity happened and feminism in the form of being like an insta-thought in a teeny weeny bikini happened. And it also became increasingly okay for women to air out all their dirty laundry. Like, there's no ladylike way to say this, but openly loving sucking dick is becoming as okay as talking about how we all have to suck dick, you know? So like, yay, this is all well and good. And I'm obviously for it. I've always been of the belief, being who I am, that everything sucks. And that's what makes it beautiful. And I'm truly so thrilled that y'all are finally catching on to a similar way of thinking, even though it was against your will, because, you know, the fucking coronavirus shut the whole world down and forced all of you into the vat of depression that I've been swimming in for the past 20 years. But, you know, from a creator standpoint, like all of this stuff grew kind of passe. And I wouldn't really call mental health talk, even physical health talk, especially physical health talk, boundary pushing anymore. And so what's the fun in me being this insatiably curious, shameless shock jock, like talking about that stuff anymore. What's the fun in me having the same guests who go on all the other podcasts coming on this one to talk about the same shit? It's boring. It's been done. It's oversaturated. And that's not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem at all of all Excuse me, I like felt a burp coming up and this season, or I should say in this new show, I promised myself I would not burp into the microphone every single fucking episode. Here it comes. 
I, I don't know what that is. I'm not a big burper in my day-to-day life for whatever reason. Every single time I'm recording, it's almost as if subconsciously my brain knows like this is your signature, which is disgusting because I am trying to be more of a lady. I showed up to the podcast studio in a dress and a fucking scarf. <sighs> and I was just about to say, just about to say that the biggest problem of all is not that everything is passe. It's that all of this talk is public facing, which actually ironically goes perfectly with me showing up to the studio looking like a lady and still burping into the microphone. We never really change as humans. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's all public facing. Like this is the stuff that we're talking about with screens as protection and like handles instead of facial expressions, you know? It there's this there's this boundary. And I don't think that the media is actually a good representation of what's going on in our world. And I don't mean that from a political sense, like keeping up with current events. I mean the world inside our heads, our private worlds, our subcultural worlds, our worlds that only like slivers of the population, if anybody sees. And when I say our I don't just mean you and me, you know, like assuming based on my Instagram analytics and my podcast analytics that most of you are from major metropolitan or at least liberal areas that absorb mainstream media. I I, I don't just mean us who also are the people who control the mainstream media, not to sound like a super right winger, but it really is true. And I don't just mean the people who like get written about on the blogs that we read and guests on on the podcast we listen to or, you know, who are all public figures or striving to be in some way, shape or form, all promoting something. I mean, all humans, like the entirety of the fucking population, people you'll never meet, even if you download every single app and spend 365 days a year traveling, people you and I don't agree with, people who might exist on the opposite end of the spectrum of you in all ways, like who maybe likely have made life decisions that you don't really agree with, but who fundamentally share the same needs as you. This is what is not being shown. You know, this this part of us is not what's being shown. It's the outward stuff that everyone can't shut the fuck up about. But the inward stuff, it, that's a whole different ballgame. And all of our needs, despite our political affiliations, despite what gender we identify as on any given day, despite where in the world we live, all of our needs are, well, first and foremost, to be, you know, fed and hydrated and had sex with and to take naps, obviously, but we also need to be loved and accepted and seen and to feel as though we fit in somewhere. And I think that that hunger to fit in in a world that is increasingly divided because of said screens is why there's such a ferocity behind the two-party political system and organized religion versus atheism and even just people picking fights with each other on Instagram and on Twitter. I think it's just everybody trying to find a home. And that 
despite the rest of my absolutely psycho resume, is why I made Health is Hell and why I'm now making Tales of Taboo. You know, my profound loneliness and the depression that comes with it is the fuel for all of my work. It's, it's this strange thing. I felt it for as long as I can remember. I actually can't remember a time where I haven't felt it. I've never felt as though I fit in anywhere. And yet, simultaneously, I fit in everywhere. There's just so much going on inside of my brain and so many things I identify as and so many situations in which I was forced to be malleable when I was younger to kind of slip in and out and I have years of acting experience. And like all of that is what's kept me in therapy for literally 20 years. Who the fuck am I? I think we all ask that question, but it's a little bit different when it's like, what do I want to do with my life versus like, how do I summarize myself to somebody that I'm meeting for the first time? But you know, on the flip side, this desire to, this need, I should say, to heal myself through connection and being almost impulsively curious and open-minded and, you know, like admittedly having enough money has allowed me to travel deep into so many worlds with like so many people that rarely see the light of day. I've spent the past five years like looking for solace. It sounds so crazy to say, but like I was looking for peace in all sorts of unpeaceful places from nightclubs to sex clubs to members clubs, political rallies, ghettos, punk shows, hip hop shows, art shows, circuses, kitchens, bedrooms, hotels in the middle of nowhere. You know, and and this is like a really unbelievable privilege being taken in and immediately accepted as both a friend and a confidant in whichever place I'm trying to find myself in. And amazingly, it's in these places that are deemed unpeaceful that I have found the most peace. But when I emerge from them, I always feel lost. Like I really feel the confines and the outlines of my own solitary existence. I've mentioned this before in all the past episodes that I've done about drugs, but I ate mushrooms with my first serious boyfriend when we were like 18 and it was a bad trip overall. But I think that the most alarming point of it was like, you know, we were lying on this blanket in the park and I was kind of nestled into his armpit and I rose up out of my body and was able to see the two of us from a bird's eye view. But we weren't us. We were two sharpie outlines, almost like Keith Haring drawings, black sharpie outlines. And I saw that, you know, despite being like nestled onto each other, despite being physically close in touch, we were completely separate entities. 
and that no matter how tightly we held on to each other, we were never going to bleed into one another. And like that shit has driven me to contemplate suicide straight up. Like even though my life is charmed in all other ways, like it's lonely to be a human, especially if you've done hallucinogenics and you've come to realize how lonely we all really are, even if we're surrounded by stimuli and community and a good job and money and, you know, all the distractions that we could ever want. And it's this endless cycle of me being completely addicted, addicted to searching for new experiences and people and grasping for those commonalities and learning as much as I possibly can about every angle of the human experience. You know, it's that, but also feeling a complete lack of being grounded, understandably, because I'm never in the same place for that long. And as a result, also feeling home. And, you know, through the last three years of podcasting and the surveys and confession boxes that I put on my Instagram story, not to sound too much like a boomer, but I've been flabbergasted by what you are all willing to share with me, A, because I ask, because I even take the time to ask, and B, under the promise of anonymity, even though you are not anonymous to me, I can see your handles. I know who you are. But it's like, as long as I publish you without saying who you are, it's okay. And bro, like the stuff that I've been told from cheating to to opioid use with kids, crime, serious mental health struggles, I have to believe that your candor with me is because of my candor with you. And it's made me think so much about the nature of intimacy in this new technological era. Think about it. We have never had so many outlets, yet so few places where we can really and truly be ourselves without judgment. Because a lot of these outlets are online. And with sharing yourself online comes the feedback of strangers, which is often very abusive and very aggressive. And like I said, I think comes from a need to feel aligned with a cause, to feel at home the same way we're all trying to find a home. That doesn't make it hurt any less. But you guys being so quick to answer my calls for castings and surveys and even just to like tell me like the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's been happening in your life, it's confirmed to me that so many of you listening can relate to either my loneliness or my insatiable curiosity about life outside of our own tiny little socially constructed worlds, which oftentimes we were dropped into without consent because life is a simulation and you can't control who you're born into and and, and what that's like and how that shapes your worldview. And then as the icing on the cake, the soul cycle and troubled teen industry episodes I did at the end of season three blew the fuck up. 
It was a completely different format from what we were used to hearing. It was not the one-on-one super public interview anymore. It was totally anonymous with the audience now becoming the subject. It was like a confessions booth and it was really, really fucking juicy. And that's what made me realize it was time to change directions. So with this new show, with Tales of Taboo, my aim is to build a place for all of us to, yes, be decadent and debaucherous and indulgent, but also to better understand each other, to understand how we become who we are and why we make the choices we make. And the tagline for my old show was reframing, you know, misfits and rebels as reputable self-help gurus. And I still stand by that. That is what I will always aim to do. Because the people with the confidence and the bravery to go against the grain, those people really fucking live. And where I'm at in my life right now at 28, not at 24, desperate for mainstream validation, I am okay with being called crazy. I am okay with being called unsafe or aggressive or an enabler of bad behavior. I'm not enabling shit. People are going to do what they want to do. What I am doing in exchange is giving you a space either as a contributor or just as a listener, as a voyeur, to feel okay about the choices that you've made and to reaffirm to you that making those choices is why, A, you have lived a full life, you are living the way that you're supposed to be living, and B, you're not going to have regrets in your future. The only thing that makes me sicker than fucking racism is people who follow the quote-unquote rules of what a life trajectory is supposed to look like wake up when they're 40, 50, even 60 and go like, where did my life go? Why didn't I do things differently? Why did I play it so safe? So yes, with this show, we are reframing the misfit and the rebel as the self-help guru. But we are not just focusing on like, the mental health component of it. We're talking about all people, ideas, jobs, industries. I want I want to excavate every single corner of humanity the way that I do on all of the solo travel that I've done and the friends that I've met. I want to bring that here. And more importantly than that, Unlike any other fucking podcast, which just expects its audience to devoutly listen every single week and then dump money into merch, I want to make you guys the focus of the show. And my hope with that is that I will then be able to connect you to other people who have shared your experiences. And if I can't do that for you, then maybe you sharing your experience will make somebody whose head is very far up their asshole come to realize that they need to open up their mind. And that makes you the hero, not me. 
All I'm doing is giving you a platform. And I will talk about myself. I will share my experiences as I deem them relevant to whatever we're talking about that week. But this show is not about me anymore. It's about how, as I mentioned before, my candor can encourage yours. And then hopefully your candor is going to encourage candor across the fucking board. So this season, you're going to hear from real people just like you who have had exceptional, uncommon life experiences. And for the listeners, you know, these may even be life experiences that you don't even realize that you want to hear about in the first place. And occasionally I'll do a one-on-one non-anonymous interview with somebody whose story is really worth hearing. Um, They'll mostly be not famous, but if certain PR people stop being such little bitchy pricks and get back to me before I start going gray, we might have some really awesome guests that a lot of you know and love. And hopefully we'll hear a whole new side of them. I Truly, guys, I am unbelievably excited to be back here making a fool of myself, but now with like a really specific goal in mind. Take that, Jonah. Go fuck yourself. Love you. And unlike the last 15 episodes of Health is Hell, where I was like, see you next week. And then you (laughs) went in here a new episode for at least a month. Um, We've backlogged this shit. So you can depend on hearing my god-awful voice every single Monday for hopefully the rest of your life. And uh, that's not going to be because I'm going to be podcasting for quite that long. It's because knowing the types of people that are attracted to me and my work, um, you guys will be putting yourself in some dangerous situations and die an extremely daring but glamorous death in the process. (laughs) So that's about it for this week. Here we are. New show, new me. Not quite. My therapist would like to think so after 20 years of working together, but in all seriousness, to all my friends, old and new and yet to come, I love you. I am grateful for you. I'm happy to be here and welcome to Tales of Taboo.